Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Alabama, Arkansas, I do love my ma and pa, not the way that I love you. Me? Holy moly, me oh my, you're the apple of my eye. Girl, you never love no one like you. Friend, I scream it do nothing else. There ain't nothing that I need. Well, hot, heavy pumpkin pie, chocolate candy, Jesus Christ. There ain't nothing please me more than you. Ah, home, let me come home. Home is wherever I'm with you. Ah, home, let me come home. Home is wherever I'm with you. Okay, move it along. Yeah. It's not her favorite version. Yeah. I love that little. Yeah. We okay, until I can't. We I can't do it. KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to Home. I'm Dean Sharp, the house whisperer, custom home builder, custom home designer, here with you live like I am every weekend, Saturdays from 6 to 8, Sundays from 9 to 11. Welcome, welcome to the second hour of our fine program this morning. Oh, how the time flies. Uh, what are we all about? I'm here to help. I'm here every weekend to be an advocate for you as you wrestle with construction issues in your home, a mentor, a design mentor, especially uh, because design matters most and a friend, you know, helping you build yourself a more beautiful home, more beautiful life, and uh, hopefully do it more affordably and more artfully than you ever imagined. It is an all calls weekend. That means I'm just taking calls, period, all weekend long. So the number to reach me, 833-2-ASK-DEAN. 833-2-ASK-DEAN. Give me a call, anything regarding your home, uh, and I will uh, try to help out. All right, back to the phones. David, welcome home. Dean, I have a home that was built in 1958, and I've never liked the outside appearance because it has open rafters from the roof, and I'm wondering, and the ends of the rafters are rounded. How hard would it be to box that in with the front fascia to make the house look a little more modern? It it seems like it's a lost cause. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, the rafter tails that are sticking out from the end of the house are exposed. It's what we call an exposed eave, and uh, they're rounded up. So they've got a round cut on the end, which is not uh, a nice square surface. 
in order to uh, 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 mount a fascia board. And right now there is no fascia board. They're just exposed tails, right? Is, have I got that right? Right. That's right. Okay. Uh, now, uh, the, the answer to your question, uh, there's two directions we can go with this. Number one is uh, if you're planning on boxing in the entire eve, okay? In other words, if it's if we go beyond just putting a fascia board on the front of those rafters, okay? And a fascia board, everybody, is the is the horizontal board that would cover the uh, the edge of the uh, roof and uh, and would be attached to the end of the rafter tails. If we're going beyond that and and just uh, including boxing in the underneath side uh, of the rafters with uh, some form of starter board or tongue and groove or T111 weatherproof ply, whatever it may be, if we're making an attractive fully boxed Eve, well, in that case, your easiest, uh, that's your easiest situation because now we're hiding the rafters all together uh, with the box detail, which means that you can ignore those rafters and uh, go get yourself some equal sized lumber. Let's say just for the sake of argument that there are two by six rafter tails sticking out there. Then you go get yourself some uh, two by six material and you will, will cut sections of two by six that you will screw into the sides of your existing rafter boards, your rafter tails, except yours will have square cuts on the front. It's what we call sistering. You will sister a two by six uh, rafter tail uh, next to the one that's sticking out from the house. You're not gonna cut the one off because that one is structurally holding the eave, the edge of the roof in place but you're gonna add a rafter to the side of it, which is not attractive looking, granted. But if we're closing in and boxing the underneath side of the eave, it doesn't matter because it's all going to be hidden. So that's the easiest and simplest way to add fascia board. If you're not planning on boxing in, then the other option would be uh, very carefully, uh, and this is gonna be far more labor intensive for somebody, but depending on how big of a curve we're talking about, uh, you may uh, entertain the idea of actually cutting the roof line back a little bit, but actually getting somebody up there with a, uh, with a saw and cutting off the curve of the rafter tail, okay? Depending on how the curve goes, though, some curves are very minute as far as how far back on the rafter tail they run, so as a result, you may only lose, you know, let's say an inch and a half or two inches of the length of the rafter by cutting the curve off, or at least cutting enough of the curve off that you get enough of a flat face to attach uh, the fascia. So just remember, if we're gonna lose two inches of rafter tail, well, your, your fascia board is gonna be an inch and a half. So you almost net out the exact same front edge and you don't have to mess with the roof line at all. So uh, one of the things that you would think about is if you're going to leave them exposed, uh, get up there on a little step ladder, wherever you've got access to it, put a square up on uh, underneath your eave and think about, well, if I took two inches off the length of this tail, even if you don't catch the whole curve, okay, but if I take two inches off, how much straight uh, board will I end up with? And uh, if you end up with more than, you know, three and a half, four inches or so, you've probably got enough meat there to tie a flat fascia board into the edge of the roof. So there you go. One or two options, uh, depending on whether we're going to see the finished product. Sistering 
far easier when it comes to extending uh, your roof rafters out for fascia board, but it does require that you box in the bottom. Thank you for your question, sir. Excellent, excellent question. Uh, Dean? Is this Dean? This is my name. It's Dean. Dean. Am I, call am I calling myself from the future? What is happening? Uh, oh, no. I have a okay. problem. Uh, <laughs> last night, just before bread time, the smoke detectors went off. And no way could we turn them off. We searched the place. No smoke, no heat. And we took down all the smoke detectors. The last one we took down stopped it. Now, I know there's battery backup, and but before we put them back up, do you have any suggestions? I've heard of spiders building a nest in front of the photoelectric cell, but that's it. Okay, so uh, big question. Uh, are Number one, are these hardwired smoke detectors? Are they hardwired in, uh, or are they just surface mount battery operated? And second question is, how old are they? They're seven years old, and they are three-wire all, all together, all three-wire. Okay. So what what's probably happening, uh, they're, they're communicating with each other. They're all wired together. But even a hard-wired smoke detector has a backup battery inside. Seven years is actually starting to starting to move into the realm of an aging smoke detector. Uh, the actual uh, requirement or uh, recommendation, uh, I should say, is to replace all of your smoke detectors, and this is going to shock people, every 10 years. You're like, wow, I don't think I've ever replaced my smoke detectors. They're like 25 years old. Yeah, every 10 years we completely replace the smoke detectors on a house because they're not just sitting there. They are constantly sensing uh, air quality, and uh, as Dean implied, uh, smoke detectors either use a photoelectric uh, process by which if smoke gets in between uh, this uh, photoelectric current that's taking place or obscures the photoelectric process, uh, that's when they fire off. Or an older detector would use, actually, don't freak out when I say this, a little bit of low-level radiation, perfectly safe. Uh, but that radiation creates an electrical current in the air and that's moving across the air. And when smoke gets in the detector, it actually lowers the current uh, level, and that's what sends the detector off. Okay, so you think about this. Smoke detectors fire when the current is lowered for some reason. That can include a backup battery going bad. Now, that does that mean that every single one of your smoke detectors has a bad backup battery? No. But if they are linked together to communicate with each other, the one downside of that linked network is one bad backup battery uh, can be setting off the entire chain. Uh, so, you know, a uh, chain is only as strong as its uh, weakest link. It's that kind of a thing. So what I would do in, in your case, if you're not in the mood to replace them all, uh, 10 years is the outset. Uh, seven years, you know, you could start to see things going uh, awry. But if you're not in the mood to replace them all, then reinstall them one by one until we get to the problem one, isolate it, and just replace that one in your system. So uh, a little bit of investigative work uh, by process of elimination. Let's figure out who's bad, you know, which detector has gone bad, because in a linked chain, it could be any of them. Likely, 
it is not all of them. In fact, I would I would put good money on the fact that most of them are doing just fine and that one of them is causing you a problem. Dean, thank you so much for your call and for your name, by the way. I appreciate that. Uh, all right. More of your calls when we return. I'm so glad you joined me this morning. So much more to come. You're home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. KFI, Dean Sharp, the house whisperer at your service. So glad you joined me this morning. We're doing an all-calls weekend. Nothing but your calls. You are setting the agenda. You're asking the question. You are trying to stump me. Uh, you know, easier said than done. I'm not saying that it hasn't happened. I'm just saying, you know, hey, give me a call. Give me your best shot. Uh, the number to reach me at 833-2-ASK-DEAN. 833-2-ASK-DEAN. The Anything regarding your home. Design question uh, construction issue, whatever. Uh, I'm here to help. All right. Back to the phones. Joe, welcome home. Yes, sir. Hi, Dean. Um, my question has to do, uh, with, um, a gate, uh, going to backyard leading to a pool area. I understand the height requirements. I understand the fact that the latch, uh, has to be a certain height from the ground and that the gate has to swing out with a self-closing um, mechanism so that the kids cannot ex access your backyard. Why is that a regulation on the maximum width of the gate? Um, is there a regulation on the maximum width of the gate? Yes. Uh, I do not know if it's the state of California or it goes varies from city to city. Um, but what I've found is that um, most of the cities they don't, don't allow anything wider than 48 inches. Okay. So if so, you, uh, if you so have let me, a, yeah, yes. Let me answer that question for you in context. Sure. Uh, it's it's the kind of answer that that I give a lot around here, just because this is the way things work. So the reason I asked you the question does is there a maximum? Um, <clears throat> to my knowledge. And my knowledge on this, I think, is fairly complete. Uh, the state of California is not the one that has imposed the regulation on the maximum width. I think if you were to scan the 
the pool code for uh, California, you would not find uh, because uh, certainly, in fact, I was just looking the other day because of a pool installation and we were just boning up on, you know, making sure that we've got everything in place. State of California requires the height of the fence uh, around the pool area, five feet, 60 inches, effective, 60 inches, effective space. The fact that we need to have a self, the gate has to have a self-closing mechanism on it so that it latches by itself so it can't be accidentally left open. The gate has to swing out away from the pool area so that a small child cannot accidentally lean against the gate if it's unlatched and open it up. In other words, leaning on it would literally force it to close and latch the rest of the way. Latch height, so on and so forth. The slats, no wider than four inches to allow at any point a four-inch diameter sphere or a ball to pass through that gate uh, in, or the fencing in any way. No more than two inches of gap at the bottom of the fence. And there are some other ones, but that's the gist of it. Nowhere in the California code is there, to my knowledge, a uh, specification about the width, the maximum width. So if there is one, it's a question that you have to take up with your local building official because your town, which ultimately issues your building permit, your town doesn't have to adopt anything uh, 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 well, I shouldn't put it this way. Your town has the freedom to adopt anything beyond the California code. It has to adopt the California code because it is in California. The state requires that. It doesn't have the option of opting out of California basic regulations, but any municipality can add more stuff uh, onto it, and they may have a justification for it as well. Off the top of my head, without knowing what the reason is, Joe, I would say there's a really good chance that uh, your building officials in your town are concerned about the effectiveness of a self-closing gate if it gets over, let's say, 48 inches. Because uh, a pedestrian gate typically is 36 to 40 inches in width. 48 inches, that's a big pedestrian gate. That's starting to push the level of equipment and access service gates going in. And self-closers are only so powerful. And so there may be a concern. Certainly, a 12-foot wide gate that opens out with a self-closer on it would technically meet the California regulation, but I would imagine that that self-closing gate would be uh, difficult uh, in the way that it functions and would probably allow at some point a little one uh, to slide in. And that's what all the pool fencing is all about. It's protecting young children from drowning in our pools. So check with your local building department because the state regulations are firm but I know of nothing regarding the width of a gate, only the height. Joe, thank you for the question. You see? You see the kinds of things that we end up talking about? Good stuff. More of your calls when we come back. You're home with Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There's no shortcut home. There's no easy way out. Giving in can be wrong. KFI. AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. You are home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. That's me. We're doing an all-calls weekend. Nothing but your calls uh, both today and tomorrow. So if you are uh, one of those uh, folks that have tried calling in before, I'm um, just taking more calls. No guarantee I can get to everybody. We've got a lot of calls on the board, but uh, your odds are uh, are up considerably from one of our normal shows. So there you go. We do this every uh, few weeks. It's been about eight weeks since we've done an all-call show. So back to the phones. Let's talk to John. Hey, John, welcome home. Hi, Dean. I have a a brick fireplace, and um, I want to put a a veneer on it. And I looked at some Indiana limestone or a couple other limestones, and I really like that look. I like the the lighter color, and um, I wanted to get your opinion on that and see if you had any other ideas for veneer. The the height of the mantle is five feet, and the hearth is high off the ground. It's 21 feet off the ground and 21, or excuse me, 21 inches off the ground and 21 inches from the wall, and it's 80 inches wide. And I don't want to go any higher with the mantle. And um, I was thinking about uh, putting some reclaimed wood um, for the mantle. But as far as the uh, limestone look, it's kind of rough. And I, I just didn't want to make that decision. I wanted to see what you thought of that and if you had other ideas. All right. Uh, so, yeah. So, first of all, one of the things that you – now, you said it's a brick fireplace – uh, meaning the fire block box is brick, or currently there is brick veneer on that large uh, open wall space. Solid brick, and the fire box is okay. set into it the wall. Okay, gotcha. All right. So just so you know, and I want to make this clear to everybody, uh, fireplaces are are often misunderstood beasts. Uh, the structural part of your fireplace and your chimney is starts at the front of the fire box and goes back. Uh, and that's where the actual uh, solid brick fireplace and chimney uh, begins. Everything in front of the firebox is some form of veneer, not part of the structure. So you've got a couple of choices when you have a uh, brick fireplace like that with a brick veneer. You want to have always evaluate uh, how well attached that brick veneer is. If it's solid, if it's stable, if it has no cracks in it, if it's never shown any signs of moving against or away from the wall, then quite often with brick, because of its porosity, brick receives mortar really well, uh, the, the thin set mortar that you would use to set new stone facing. So one of the options would be to simply use the brick as a, as a substrate and, uh, 
which I never recommend if it's tile or anything else. But when it comes to brick veneers that are well uh, built into the wall, then you can use them and you can cover over it. But just so you know, the other option would be actually pulling that brick veneer off and you are not tearing apart your chimney and your fireplace to do so. You're simply removing one veneer to replace it with another. So just FYI on that. Uh, as far as the actual material is concerned, you know what? The sky is the limit. You just need to be aware of uh, how your uh, new facing material is going to interact with uh, the firebox and what you're going to be burning in the firebox. Now, if you're if you've got a gas log set in there and you're just going to be uh, just using natural gas, then you're not going to have smoke and you're not going to have soot of any uh, significance whatsoever. And you literally you can just cover this in anything you want that you think is an attractive uh, design, whether it's entire sheets of limestone, travertine, marble, you name it, uh, do whatever you want. Uh, the only code requirement is that the the surrounds around the firebox are non-combustible and any stone matches that requirement. If you're going to be burning wood in the firebox, then occasionally you're going to get a little bit of smoke and a little bit of soot that finds its way out, especially as the fire is starting before it really starts to heat up the chimney and draw. You're going to get some uh, smoke and some soot that kind of, you know, wants to rise up and wisp out of the front. So knowing that if you're going to be burning wood and there will be a tiny little bit of smoke, you you want to make sure the material that you're putting on there can handle uh, being cleaned with, uh, you know, with uh, being after being subject to that kind of uh, smoke residue. Uh, not saying that a limestone is still not a good choice there, but you're going to want to make sure you keep it sealed because of the porosity of limestone. It will have it and on quite often the lightness of uh, in color of limestone. Um, you're more subject to getting a soot stain on your new veneer. And uh, if you keep it sealed, you'll be able to keep it clean and keep it white down. But at one point, at any point that the sealer begins to fail or thin out, and I would say this is not something that's like a countertop where it's getting used and abused constantly. So, you know, once a year, keep it sealed. But if you ever neglect that, uh, you might be subjecting lighter stones to soot staining that you actually can't clean back out because it gets down in the pores and it makes an unattractive uh, mark on the front of your veneers. Those are the areas that I would be concerned about if I were you. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, let your design creativity carry you away and uh, you've got the freedom there because it doesn't have to be structural. It only has to be non-combustible. John, thank you for the question. Uh, do we have time? Oh, nope. Uh, when we return, more of your calls. Your home with Dean Sharp, the house whisperer. Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer. Welcome home. Thanks for joining us on this uh, so far cool Saturday morning. No danger zone here. You're safe. That's why you're calling in. Because I'm going to keep you safe. Although I do like me some Kenny Loggins, I can say. 
All right. We've been doing an all-call morning. We're going to do an all-call weekend. So I'm uh, going to run back to the phones here in just a second, see if we can't get a couple of more calls in before we're done. Uh, if you've called in and I don't get to you, just know we're doing it again tomorrow, 9 to 11. Nothing but your calls. You're in charge of uh, where we go with the show. So if the show is good, then it's all you. And if it's bad, then... It's all, no, no, it's on me. All right. All right, back to the phones, shall we? Let's talk to Joe. Hey, Joe, welcome home. Oh, good morning, Dean. Hey, I've lived in a condo for about five years, and when I moved in, they told me that the uh, heater in the attic would, had just been replaced, but the AC unit out on the patio is uh, an original unit, this place was built, I believe, in 85. So I was wondering if the AC unit out on the patio can be replaced without messing with any of the other heater or ducts or anything. Uh, really good question. Uh, the answer is uh, yes, very, very likely the case. Uh, here's how it works. Uh, your AC and your uh, fan, the, the actual furnace fan, inside the house uh, are part of one system, okay? Uh, the Inside the house, we've got the fan unit, the, the blower fan, and of course, uh, integrated into a fan unit almost always is a furnace, a basic gas uh, or electric furnace. Um, the AC unit outside is not just all by itself out there. That's the condenser, it's what we call a split system. The condenser, the compressor, that's all sitting outside in that boxy thing with the fan that blows out of the top. Uh, the other half of that unit is where the line sets, what we call these copper uh, tubes uh, that run back into the attic, back to where the furnace is located. Uh, and right there is what we call an evaporator coil. So there is a what basically amounts to what looks like a radiator on a car uh, sitting as attached to the furnace. So when the furnace is on, the fan blows across the uh, the flames of the furnace and it brings warm air into the house. When the AC is on, then the fan is blowing air through the evaporator coil, which is getting super cold because of the condenser outside sending refrigerant in. So the moral of the story is uh, you don't have to touch ducting at all. If a furnace is brand new, and, and believe me, five years old is brand new, then you're not going to have to replace a furnace. Uh, furnaces last a lot longer because they're very simple mechanisms than the AC units that are attached to them. Sometimes a 20-plus-year-old furnace still doesn't have to be replaced to change out the air conditioning. So, yes, you can change out the outside uh, condenser, but no... Uh, know that uh, also there will be a little bit of work in the attic next to the furnace because uh, with the new condenser will come a new evaporator coil that gets stuck onto the end of the furnace, but it's not the furnace itself that's getting replaced. So yeah, you should be in good shape. And you know what? A 1985 original AC, you got to get that thing replaced. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is because in 85, an 85 unit is still working on the old refrigerant, which is now banned. You can't get it anymore. It's not allowed to be put in your unit anymore. And so if your unit has a leak or it needs to be recharged, uh, it is just virtually impossible to do that. Uh, new refrigerants now that are non-corrosive to the environment and the atmosphere 
And so, yeah, that unit needs updating big time, but your furnace, not so much. Joe, excellent question. Thanks for your call. Do we have time for one more? Let's try. Rhett, Rhett, speed round, buddy. Here we go, right at the end Hi. of the show. Welcome home. Hi, Hi, Dean. It's Rhett. I have a question regarding prioritizing our outdoor projects for front and back. Okay. Sideway, sidewalk appeal, roof, paint, door, and landscape. And then the backyard, we replace the retaining wall, the pool remodel, the patio pavement, and landscaping. I don't know okay. what to do so, first. <laughs> so you got to think of, uh, you know, the, the best way, by the way, even without my advice here, and in, in fact, in addition to my advice, the first bit of advice I'm going to give you is that uh, you talk to the builders relative to each of these projects, okay? Talk to your pool remodeling people. Talk to uh, the masons who are going to be uh, replacing the retaining wall. Talk to your hardscape people and your landscape people and so on and so forth. That's the thing that we need to discuss first. And I say that in all sincerity because no matter how long I've been doing this, I still gather my specialists together and uh, we have a powwow about, uh, okay, what's our order of operations here based on this specific site location, based on our conditions. Access is really the issue. And so if we're replacing a retaining wall, here's my guess. My guess is that you're going to want to get that done first. If the retaining wall is in the backyard and anywhere near anything else, retaining wall changes involve some excavation. They're going to make a mess, and we've got to get that set in place first in order to redefine paving and flatscape and hardscape and all of that other stuff. Next, after the retaining wall, my guess would be redoing the pool, whatever work has to be done on the pool, whether it's replastering, new coping, and so on and so forth. Then working your way out as out of the backyard as far as uh, flatscape and hardscape is concerned, uh, because it's in the backyard and you kind of want to pull, you know, draw yourself from the, the least accessible areas out toward the front, which are the most accessible areas. So typically backyard first and then front yard because you don't want to redo the front of the house and then have tractors and workmen and all that kind of stuff traipsing over and through your brand new landscaping and plant materials in order to get stuff into the backyard. So hardscape before landscape and the, the most difficult structural issues like a retaining wall and pool redo, uh, probably in that order before flat work, which is kind of the finished decking uh, area in the backyard, and then out to the front of the house. And finally, uh, front facade, curb appeal kind of stuff. Uh, throw a curveball in there. If there's any roof work to do, you're going to want to throw that into uh, the, the beginnings of the project as well as far as access is concerned. But that's a nice thing. The roof can be redone at the same time that retaining walls are being built and the pools are, uh, is being reworked. Uh, but then you kind of just want to finish things up and back your way out of the property from the backyard to the street. That's the general rule of thumb. Your property and access might have some exceptions to that. And that's why I would say gather together your specialists and uh, and get their confirmation. Like, yeah, that yeah, that, this is the order that we should approach this in, uh, uh, in this instance. Rhett, thank you for your call. Everybody, thank you. 
for uh, participating in the program this morning. It is always a privilege to spend time with you. We're going to do this again tomorrow morning from 9 to 11. Nothing but your calls. Until then, get out there in what looks to be a relatively cool and wonderful Saturday and uh, get building yourself a beautiful life. We'll see you tomorrow. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.